podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> We're live, apparently. Now, this is a short bit because A. James has got to go and be. We just spent an hour talking, well, over an hour, talking about things which you'll see later, but we need to talk about everything else which has gone on. So welcome uh, to this disjointed extravaganza. What has happened? Oh, Casper, the world champions. Congratulations, Castle. Can, I, to, can I, I just say the best picture of the weekend was from the Greek Grand Finals? I don't know if anybody's seen it, but AEK Athens won the West Division of the Greek Domestic League. And AEK's fans are all ultras. And it's the first time I've seen pictures from a rugby league game with flares and fireworks going off. That's because they're banned here. No, at the end of the game, not during the game. Not they're still, still banned. But what a great picture to see the AEK players going over to their fans and uh, and being absolutely fated uh, in the traditional way. It was it was a great image anyway. If you haven't seen it, look it out on social media. I know rugby league's rubbish anyway because uh, everyone hated Castleford and Leeds. So it was a boring game and stuff. So don't need to talk about it, do we? There wasn't and a lot to talk about. Although I thought, I thought Castleford were particularly dogged in their defence and and got exactly what they deserved. But Ralph coming up. Well, he's got to be employed somewhere. I mean, Carson says, good Carson. evening, gentlemen and Richard. That's not very nice, is it? Well, <laughs> From Wakefield, it's not like Hooray, says Andy. I mean, apologies, we, we are only here for a short time, but you, you will enjoy what, what's to come later. What was your highlight of the weekend, James? If anything. Oh, my highlight of the weekend. Uh, I only watched uh, the two TV games, and um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember which, which they were. Castleford Leeds. <laughs> And Saints Hall, yeah. I, I thought this, the Saints Hall game wasn't uh, wasn't a bad game actually, and uh, you know I don't think people would have expected the performance that Hall put in, but I, I thought the the um, the overriding sentiment from the Castleford Leeds game was that ultimately the team that won it wanted it more. I thought that, I'm not suggesting that Leeds didn't want it, but I, I definitely thought Castleford were playing for for Andy Last. Uh, and they're putting a performance that um, obviously the fans were wanting to see for for a, for a few weeks now. So, you know, and, and I think it shows with Hull what you can do. Um, as Hull FC fans know, they can be inconsistent. So the challenge is for them now, as as Tony Smith said after the game, is maintaining that standard of performance into next week and the week after and the week after that. And that that's the challenge, isn't it? Whilst they didn't get the result that they perhaps would have liked, the performance was there. It's a massive turnaround, though, wasn't it? From losing by 60 to <laughs> virtually being a knock-on over the line away from beating the champions. Yeah, and what and how do you how how does that change in one week? You haven't coached mm. the players in a exactly. week, and by and large, that for me is about attitude. And so, I think they would have had a bit of a soul-searching uh, discussion after that that uh, resounding loss against Salford, um, and the players demonstrated within a week how they can turn it round. So I think. You know, if you're a Hull FC fan, I think you've got to stick patient. You know, they've got a new coach in there. They're, he's not going to change things overnight. As as Warrington saw last year with Daryl Powell, it can take a while. Uh, I think the understanding is, again, at Hull, I think similar to Warrington, they've got mm. a significant number of that squad off contract. So, to some extent, players may be playing for a contract, but that can become unsettling, can't it? But uh, who do they play this week? Uh, Hull are at home to the Lee Leopards. So, you know, I don't, that's not going to be easy, is it? You know, 
Lee with their impressive win against St. Helens a couple of weeks ago. I obviously didn't see any of their game against Warrington this week, but that, that won't be easy. But back at home, hopefully with the crowd behind them. Well, I think that's, that's the one important. thing I've got to get the crowd behind yeah, them, but because I, I think they'll come sceptical. I think they will, but I think the performance they put in at the weekend would have helped it. You know, um, you know. So hopefully the crowd can get behind their, their own players uh, and they put in a, a similarly good performance. Big blow for Leeds, Phil, because not only has uh, Cruz Leeming decided he doesn't want to be a Leeds rider anymore, which is fair enough, but now James Bentley, his uh, understudy, has been suspended for this week, so uh, so he can't play against the Catland Dragons on the telly. No, I think we we need to pay credit to Castellan and Warrington, because I think, as we were talking about earlier, you do have dips in the season, and I think we've got one of them at the moment. The first two rounds, maybe three there's the excitement of the new season, there's new players turning out in the colours, crowds are turning up, bands beforehand, you know, you've got all um, that, that feeling of everyone's got the same opportunity off the starting line. So you, you get a boost at the start of the season. The weather's still not conducive to the best rugby. Um, the clocks don't go forward again until this weekend, which makes everybody feel a little bit better that spring is in the air. So rounds maybe three, four, five. The standard does tend to drop a little bit. It, it is a little bit more five drives and a kick. Um, I think we saw with the Salford-Wakefield game yesterday that, again, I wasn't there, but I listened to the radio commentary. It was a tough listen um, because clubs then four or five weeks into the season, they're focused predominantly on conditioning during the close season, not maybe skills. That first month of the season has, has taken a lot out of the teams. And the standard drops a little bit. Um, so I think for Catalan and Warrington to still be unbeaten, the only two teams that are, and even Steve McNamara saying after their game that he, he felt his team hadn't played well, but they've come away with an important home victory. Um, I think we're now starting to look at maybe the second phase of the season moving into Easter, and hopefully the standards will pick up a little bit, because I, I just think the last couple of weeks... The product hasn't been as good. Yeah, I'd agree with you. But it's a twenty-seven round competition, isn't yeah. it? It's a long competition, you know. And once you get over that honeymoon of the first few weeks, realization sets in that, you know, this is here till October, and so you know, as as people will always say, the competition's not won in the first few weeks; it's won towards the back end of the season. That's but you can true. lose it in the first uh, few weeks. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can lose it, and mm. getting off on the wrong foot suddenly you're under pressure, but. You know, I think as I said last week about Wakefield, I, I thought there were positive signs in their performance against Leeds. That must have been cl the case yesterday at mm -hmm. Salford, albeit I understand Salford weren't at their best. So it is about, you know, even Catalan and Steve McNamara's comments. Coaches will, will be saying that at this stage of the season. You're not going to expect them to say that was an all-round performance, perhaps with the exception of St Helens when they went down under, because teams will lift themselves for a single major game like that. So it is about building week to week and about building on performances. But if you can chart the results up, it eases the pressure at this Absolutely. stage of the season. Mark Sneed has now kicked winning drop goals in Golden Point against Wakefield with two different clubs, which must be the first player to do that. <laughs> uh, I was at the first one because that's when I was working at Wakefield, which tells you how long ago it was. Um, but yeah, 14-13. Oh Wakefield, 0 from 5. Well, fans are 6 from 6 in the Championship, so you know, it balances itself out. But you, you've scored. We scored. Scored some points. So, you know, the, hopefully the Wakefield fans did take I think the one thing about Wakefield that we do know is that their defence is pretty solid, apart from one aberration at Wigan. Um, they haven't been really 
overcome when they've played. The, their defensive structures are, are pretty solid and, and that is something you can build on. Attack will come. Um, the problem they've got is that they've lost too many of the players in the spine that would help them score points. But I think their defensive resolve at Salford was what kept them in the game. And, and again, we talk about Hull have gone from conceding 61 week to very nearly beating St Helens. Salford have gone from scoring 61 week to not being able to put too many moves together this. So that, that inconsistency at this stage yeah. of the season is there, apart from Warrington and, and Catalan. Yeah, and, and, and consistency is often a word that's thrown at referees, isn't it? But, you know, you see that in, in the, with the players. You know, the players aren't consistent. The teams aren't consistent. So, you know, to expect that equally match officials will be consistent as well is, a, is perhaps a, uh, an ambitious target. You know, referees themselves will have dips in performances across the season that lasts months, not weeks. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Should you talk about another eight-point try though. Well, there was an eight-point try this weekend. But in the Holland St Helens game, should there have been an eight-point try? I'm trying to remember what incident you're referring well, you to. Him in the uh... yes, in the act of scoring. I can't remember that one. <laughs> I think it's been mentioned in the disciplinary minutes that perhaps that should have been an eight-point try. <laughs> I'll have to go back and look at that one. I, I've, I have seen the eight-point try in the uh, Warrington game, and you know that looks on the face of it. The camera on the far side, it looks, you know, he does hit him high in the process of going over. That's mm. what an eight-point try is there for. Which was in fact a six-point try because he didn't get. The he missed it. Yeah. So we yeah, have to yeah, think yeah. of another yeah, word but, for it. You know, you know that players have the nude run at the end of the season if they don't score. <laughs> I, do, I do wonder whether this is uh, the, the referee's version of it this season. We all have to get one. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not. I need to ask Kyle Lambert what he thinks about that because he doesn't like team songs. Does he like the is, he, is that because he can't sing? I don't know. He's on Charleport, isn't he? We know people at Charleport. We might see him on Saturday. Well, you'll be there. I mean, I won't be there, but you'll, you'll be there. Um, consistent is not is what a team doesn't want. Consistent is good for refs, is not he? I wish I wish Wakefield were consistently good. You know, but but you can't have you, know, you can't have everything in life. Um, what else has happened? Result of the weekend, Wigan's wheelchair beating Halifax. Um, I know we're, we're big fans of the wheelchair, but that, that was a surprise. The defending champions who were ahead at half-time um, and, and Wigan were, were dominant in the second half. Great photo of Deck Roberts scoring a try, not in the paper, but on uh, social media if you want to see it. He doesn't look very happy. He looks as happy as he was on, at our table at the uh, wheelchair awards the other week. Um, elsewhere, uh, Leeds beat Warrington in the Super League and uh, London Roosters beat Hull FC in the uh, Super League games this week, and which kind of just randomly appeared. Just randomly appeared. <laughs> um, and Wakefield didn't lose by 100 in the Women's Super League Championship thing this week. That's a, that's a positive. Teddy Ruxpin says, Brixton Bulls are having their first ever Masters game at Aldershot on Fleet this week, Saturday, up the Bulls. See, that's a, a London-based team not named London. Big, after an area of London. big fan of Brixton and what they do. They're great with young kids. But then that's why I think you need... Um, and obviously it become a topic of conversation with our guests, I'm sure. You need a focal point in London, and that focal point really has to be a Super League club, and that young kids have to have an aspiration to play against St Helens and Wigan. And you know, London's academy is struggling at the moment, uh, the reserves are struggling, and, and I think that's because maybe we just haven't got the right strategy for London at the moment. But I do think, I do think others wouldn't agree that London is a fertile ground for us. We just haven't done it properly, so we shouldn't abandon it. We should actually do it properly. You know, if a League One club had to pay a championship club £400, hypothetically, to borrow a player, how much of that £400 you reckon a player gets a week in, in the championship? Just a hypothetical. 
just done this. Um, we've, we've got to go. Well, James has got to go. Do you want to stay and talk for a bit longer, Phil, or do you want to go? There's some looks caramel wafers that stay for as long as you like. Because I feel the championship people get annoyed if we, if we don't stay on for a bit longer. But uh, thanks for coming, James. The, the, people will think you've only been here for the same reason. Then you'll disappear and then you'll come back <laughs> yeah. on the second. It, it's complicated. It's complicated this week. But, uh, well, thank you for having me. I'll take my uh, toilet. Your reward. Caramel bell. And thanks for your company. If we match them enough, do you think they'll sponsor us? <laughs> I mean, I've tried. I've tried on social media. This is sponsoring football tournament. Which was we'll keep going. Yeah, that's the sponsorship. That we, if we can bring that into yeah. the sport, we don't need IMG. Dumbarton got to the final and everything, but but we lost to Total Network Solutions. <laughs> All being well, see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Um, basically, we we spent an hour and longer talking to the owners of Keesley about their plans, their uh, their dossier for for rugby league. So it went on longer than we thought. You'll see that after. Once I've edited it, but on the podcast it will come after this bit. Um, Cruz Leamy. Yes. He's, he's become the world's greatest hooker this week, which is which is interesting because I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything. I mean, I'd probably take him at Wakefield if we could afford him, but we can't. But some of the, every, everything's overhyped with an inch of its life these days. And so much as, he's obviously a very good player, fringes of the England squad for the World Cup and whatever. But coaches strangely don't always agree with their predecessors nor fans nor chief executives about how a player should or shouldn't be played I think he's clearly frustrated that he isn't the first choice hooker that when he's fit he isn't the starting number nine um, it just seems strange a month into the season that he would deem that he's going to get that opportunity of starting somewhere else I mean clearly in Super League we're bound by a pretty restricted salary cap so I'm not sure there's too many clubs at this stage in the season that would be able to allocate money to, to buy him unless they wanted to do a player swap so you look at the clubs that maybe are deficient in the hooking department where he would get a, a start there aren't many um, so then there's talk of his agent will get offers in the NRL he may well, but will he be the starting hooker in the NRL? I would venture to say he might if there was an injury to start with, if somebody's looking for a hooker at this minute, because, again, the salary cap is different over there. They, they, they could afford to invest in a, an import player who wouldn't cost them very much, comparatively speaking. They need them to go into the first team straight away. He would do a job for them. But then you'd have to say, well, in terms of the longer term, would he be a starting hooker in an NRL side? My guess is probably not. Um, so, yeah, it, it, the timing of it is really strange. He, he had the whole pre-season with Rowan Smith. He clearly had the mass disappointment of not being selected for England. I think he felt he'd worked really hard last year, taking his, his team uh, to the grand final. Felt perhaps he should have had a place in Sean Wayne's squad. Sean Wayne didn't see it that way. I think he's, he's then done his pre-season, season started... Jared O'Connor's been given the start on him. Corey Johnson's coming back fit. Where do I fit in? I think I'll try my luck elsewhere. It's just the timing seems odd to me. And not just the timing in the season, the timing of it coming out just before the game on Thursday. Well, I think it had been known about for a couple of days before. I think everybody was keeping very much tight-lipped on it. Um, players were interviewed about it afterwards, saying that we know nothing about it. I, I suspect that you know when somebody doesn't turn up for training or... Uh, 
um, or when, when somebody is told that they don't have to turn up for training <laughs> and they're not there, uh, the players do speak to each other. So, yeah, I, I think um, he, he the onus is now on him to come to Leeds and say, this is the club I would like to go to. Leeds will then have a decision to say, well, you're contracted to the end of 2024, we are asking X transfer fee, or we would like a player in exchange. It can't be uh, someone on a, on a, a quota they haven't got a space so you'd think that an NRL club would have to pay a transfer fee if that's where he was going if it was a Super League club Leeds may well say right well we, we won't exercise our right but we would like this player in exchange strange and, and a shame because he's a really really good bloke yeah, and I guess that would, does an NRL club need him enough to want to pay a transfer fee Again, it Again, depends on the good. amount of money that you've got yeah. and how much he's going to cost you. And if you have to go out and buy a, um, you know, a hooker from another NRL club, it's a relatively cheap option well, to pay Ke- a transfer. Sorry, Kevin's on. He knows uh, Wigan's supposed to be interested. So. Well, again, I, I would say at the moment he's not going to displace Sam Powell as a first-choice hooker. So, is it going to make any difference if he goes to Wigan? Would he start the game, um, which is what he wants, unless? There's something in the environment at Leeds that he he would prefer not to be there, which is which is eminently possible. Again, it'll raise the question of, and I'm not sure how much a relevant point it is of captaincy, because clearly he was very <laughs> proud to be the captain yeah. last year. He was very proud to lead uh, the team out most weeks. Obviously, clearly at the grand final he he, he came off the bench, but. Um, Leeds aren't having a captain this year. That may be something that he disagrees with. You know, he, he, he may want to know one way or the other if he is the captain. And if he is the captain, then that should promote him up the, up the playing order. But um, Rowan Smith doesn't see it that way. I think what we need to do one of these weeks is get in someone who's a former Leeds captain who once fell out with his coach. Because he might have a do perspective. Do we know anybody? I don't know. He might have a perspective on that. The, the wheelchair team's going to captain. have his phone number. Yeah, and an interesting choice of captain because it's um, it's not the England captain. No, it's Jodie Boyd Ward. Of, she's going to come on the podcast. You said she mm. would. Uh, Leeds, she's got pink hair. Leeds women don't have a captain. Does that mean Amy Hardcastle is going to be the captain because she's got pink hair as well? No, yeah. I think they will have one the season kit. Yeah, season launch next week. Are you going? I am. Are you I think, good? I think it's me and you. Oh, excellent. No wonder they were so keen to have I mean, I t- When t- I said, t- I think t- I might be able to come. Oh, good. I tell you what. No, I don't think it's because it's, it's a good job because I'm working in Leeds that <laughs> afternoon, but it starts in the morning and finishes by lunchtime, so I should be able to get from one part of Leeds to another part of Leeds. I'm sure I can help Fingers you Fingers crossed um, that I can uh, do that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what I'm going to ask half the people because only half the people are going to be. Or are, indeed. They won't know who I am, so that's even better. Um, elsewhere, nothing else really happened. I, I think yeah. we should pay credit to the uh, unity of Cass. I mean, James just sort of mentioned it that they wanted it more. I think they needed it more. I think that was a result at home against the the big city rivals that was going to their cup final. Yeah, no, no, not not necessarily. I think there was some disenchantments amongst their fans, and the way to win them back is to yeah. win that game. And th- there was, and the the atmosphere is is hostile to the opposition at Casford, exactly as it should be. It was a little bit muted in the early stages of the game because I think there was a fear amongst some of the Castleford fans that this is a game we don't want to lose, we, we need to get a win on the board. And when they realised that the resolution that their team was playing with was going to bring them that win, that's when uh, the atmosphere that you would expect kicked in. The second half, they, they forced Leeds to play one-out rugby and, um, and mopped it up and 
and their forwards made twice as many yards as Leeds did. Um, I, I just think that they needed that result and, and they got it and deserved it. And, and as we just spoke to James about, it's going to be what they... If they're, if they're going to build on that, they have to really play well this week as well. When rugby league's great, it's great. And when, it, when it's not so great, everyone slaps it off and says it's rubbish and the standard's crap and we're all rubbish these days and whatever. Do we have too high expectations sometimes? No, we have too many games. Too many games. And we play over too long. It's, again, going back to, to what James was saying, and, and I think that would have been the next question, had he been able to stay, was do we get that level of inconsistency because 27 rounds is too much? And Clearly, what, you know, we're all watching a little bit of the NRL at the moment. That seems to be of a consistently high standard. They play less games. Dolphins. Dolphins. Big, big Dolphins. game in uh, in Brisbane this weekend. Can't wait. That's going to be exciting. Championship feathers. And I wonder if uh, Mark Campbell was happy with their uh, performance because he wasn't happy, was he? According to the, uh, the social media. Is that him, though? Is it, is it? I don't know. That's I mean, you can, I well, you, could, you can have a fake uh, identity, I'm talking about. One of those... Uh, uh, AI things. It could be a bot. It could be an AI Mark Campbell uh, at Feb. Um, I'm there next uh, next Thursday, Yorkshire Schools Cup final. Right. Have you got anybody playing in that you know? Nephew's playing for uh, hopefully. The for new him. Gareth Gale? Oh, well, I don't know where he plays on the pitch these days. This will be his first match. Because they don't play 13 aside, do they, until they get to school age. But, but the games are every hour, so I don't know how long the game's going to be. So. Excellent. Good luck to you. Well, yeah, I mean... Uh, Who's he the, playing for? Is it Freeston? I think they're another outward school these days. Right. So, following in my footsteps, obviously, because they're, they're a great outward player of the pack. Uh, but playing against uh, John Centimer Academy from Hull. Oh, so excellent. So, uh, Normanton versus Hull. That'll be a, a battle in he's, Featherston. He's on the big stage already? Yeah. Good lad. So, so, so I've got, I won't say anything bad about Featherston. Uh, but they won, so they're six from six. To lose five from six. It's actually an interesting game against Widnes with uh, late scores and drama and controversy and all that kind of stuff. I don't stuff. think John Key was too impressed, was he, on uh, the uh, post-match yeah. detail? kind of game, I think, we, that would have been a good one to put on the, the, the sportsman one. or whatever. Yes. Because we don't know how that deal works. But. Uh, Bradford beat Sheffield Eagles. Mark Aston doesn't like Godson. I think it's a bit rubbish. Although, again, I think that's a great result for Bradford because we shouldn't yeah. underestimate yeah, yeah. how well Sheffield has well, started the season. Four so, wins from six. Yeah. That's a good start. And winning, winning at home as well, which is, um, again, a good way of getting all your fans on side. Um, Carson's watching the battle again. He's watching us after. Uh, so that's fair enough. At Dewsbury. At Dewsbury. It's just like the olden days when Mount Pleasant was closed. Uh, good luck to Batley getting your floodlights sorted anyway. Um, Halifax beat Keithley. What were Keithley to come? London Broncos, or should it be Wimbledon, beat Newcastle Thunder. Uh, and Whitehaven beat York. And that's obviously that's the, the result, result of the result of the, yeah. uh, the day in the championship. Especially York were 26 on a handicap. So, uh, yeah, that's not good, is it? But uh, League One, Doncaster beat North Wales. That's three good results for Doncaster because they've played three of the teams that they would expect to be coming up against in or around the playoffs. And... Um, should we say three of the teams from the more traditional areas as opposed to three of the <laughs> expansion teams? So that, that is another good result yeah. for Doncaster. I think it's since Carvall became a colonist. Oh, their form's picked up. Hunslet, which of course we're all big fans of here, they, they won at London Scholars 66 22. Nothing any great surprise there. Um, Jewsby winning at Workington, that was on the Sportsman. I didn't watch it because I was out 25 6. Mother's Day, that's why. Yeah. And. Uh, 
Rochdale home, it's beat Midlands 32-24, but that's sounds like a close game. 14-12 mm-hmm. at half-time to Rochdale, so I think Midlands have got plenty to take out of that one in the bizarre competition that is League One that no one knows what to do with. But This week, Cornwall London Scholars. Okay, so somebody's going to get some points. Yeah, the O has to go, as they say. Cornwall have played one game so far this year. Sounds League right. Games, yeah. Oh, yeah, because this is a, an unbalanced league, isn't it? And also, if you get knocked out of the cup early, you... yeah. Um, we mentioned the, the wheelchair games earlier. I wish I could have seen that. Uh, we're getting Halifax games. It's only the Belter. Uh, what was the score in the end? 59-45. And he's got drop goals and everything. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's two French inter- well, no, two French men, one a French international, one an English international, playing for Halifax. Yeah. Um, and and I think they were intent on starting the defence of their their crown with a, with a win, but uh, Wigan are going to be up there amongst it this year, clearly. Which is good. Which as, is great. As former champions, it's got to have, it, it's got to be. You've got to have competition. You've got to have teams who can put together good games of entertaining rugby league to watch. Well, you need you need a you know a, an equalisation of talent at the highest level amongst as many teams as you can. Uh, your women's side any more players this week? Can ask the mighty Valkyrie, yeah, the Valkyrie, the going on. They've made Sinead Page captain. Yes, should have been in the. She she could, she was like the 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 female Cruzley. Yeah, <laughs> but more con- far the, more controversial. Because it didn't get selected. Yeah, far yeah. more controversial. <laughs> Could get back to Mickey McAloran again. Um, is there any more news? Apart from all they're going back to Boundary Park, that's I guess good news. I guess. Um, I don't know, but at least they. I, th- I think what you know what we're going to probably talk about with the guys from Keithley yes. who are um, almost dissenting voice publicly dissenting voices. We we may find out that they've got more support than than we think. Um, everybody's talking about grading. I know that we sort of mentioned it last week, and uh, we need to see how that plays out. My only concern, um, and clearly you know we've no idea what they're going to say, um, is that. I, th- I think they are purporting a position that um, harks back to a different era. I'm not sure it's going to address the issues as they currently are for the sport at the moment. And I would hope that IMG have been brought into the sport because of their level of expertise. And that will not suit everybody. But at some point, the sport has to say, we all need to move in a direction. Um, I just hope that they won't try and prevent it moving from a direction that inexorably it has to move in. But they are entitled, and we will hear their point of view. They are given very much given the floor. Um, I'm sure there's something else I was going to mention, but now I can't remember. Magazines out. Magazines out. That's good. Two um, two controversial articles. One about um, transgender athletes and whether or not they should be banned from playing and what is the data and research behind that that allows that decision to be made. One about the likelihood over time of rugby league and rugby union coming together on the field to be played as rugby league. I mean, it was very funny, wasn't it, when the BBC tweeted the, the Scottish fella scoring a try and, and every, all the replies, every single, all the replies every were week, Tom Johnson, every Tom Makinson, some bloke who plays in league one you've never heard of. Brilliant. I mean, we do have a bit of a chip on our shoulders, but on that point, you know, it's a well-deserved chip on our shoulders. But also, I do think that you know people can 
read or disagree with the article. It's, it's there as a thought-provoking talking point. This is the first time ever when we can talk about the product being rugby league, that rugby union has some issues it has to address um, because litigation will force it to address it, that it, it almost has to be rugby league. And if it is, that puts us in a very different position historically to one that we've ever been in before. The, the, the one question I forgot to ask our, our friends from Keighley, uh, who we haven't interviewed yet, Kai Garcia and, and, and Ryan O'Neill, was going to be, so what if, what if you lose the boat? What, what do you do? Do you, do you become a rugby union club? Do you, no, they have, no, they, stay with they have to fall in line. Uh, but here they are, telling us about what they're going to do, and I can't remember how they introduce them. So if you're watching the programme live, you won't see it. If you listen to the podcast, you will. But if you are watching live, you'll see it later when I'm editing it, because I've got to edit it. But yeah, thanks for watching or listening. And, and, stay. and we, never ask, we don't ask any difficult questions, do we? We never have in the years we've been doing it. But... <laughs> Which means, gentlemen, that the first question I'm going to ask you goes straight in there, because why? What, what, what is the reason for your... Your plan? Why? Why have you put your heads above the parapet as the only people willing to almost come with a different plan to the one IMG are coming with? Because we've, from my point of view and my family's point of view, we've been here before. So my dad was chairman of of Keighley Cougars back in uh, the mid nineteen nineties when the whole Super League wars were going on, and and Sky came in and <clears throat> and invested in the sport, and they were going to restructure. They're going to merge clubs and. Um, they were going to create cl clubs in various parts of the country that, that didn't already have them. So that at the time, Keith Cougars had been promoted to what would have been, I think they called it the Premiership or Championship at the time. There was no Super League. And um, we spent, my dad's uh, uh, and his board had spent a lot of money to to build an amazing team. That just actually two weeks before, I think, the, the Super League was announced, they just signed Daryl Powell from uh, Sheffield Eagles. He cost them 135000 in a transfer fee. Um, and a, a, a shockingly big salary. And back in 1995, that was, I mean, it's a lot now, but it, it was a huge amount then. And um, they had a full-time squad. They'd gone full-time in the preparation for getting into that top league. I think they're spending about 1.2 million on salaries, which if you just for inflation is significant amount now. Um, so they're really geared up. They've got loads of sponsorship. They had um, blue chip companies who were going to sponsor them. Um, and then this Super League came in and they were like, Keithley, you've got to merge with Halifax and Bradford and whatever. And it's going to be a West Yorkshire team or it's going to be a Bradford team and you're just going to be a feeder club. And it just killed everything. And um, and it, it then led to the, it, at the time, actually, the Cougars uh, voted, I think they actually voted for it, which with hindsight was probably a mistake because they got quite a bit of flack for, for doing that. But they voted for it in the intention that they would be able to then work with the RFL at the time to make it into a, a fairer competition. Uh, but in the end, it didn't work out that way, and, and we got stuck down in the in the second division, as I think it was. So, and then as a result, they, they couldn't finance the huge spend that they had. They lost all the sponsors, um, and there was no opportunity for them really to go up. So, my dad then uh, retired. Uh, he, could, he couldn't do any more. Um, he basically uh, he broke his heart. Say he, he put his entire life into it for five years, put a lot of money into it, um, and he obsessed our entire family at the time. And then to be to be kicked out and then for it to basically just to to whittle away and, and, and decline. My dad then left and, and moved to Australia basically because he, he just he felt so demoralized and he, he just needed to get away. And he then went on a 20 odd year absence diaspora to Australia. Um and then we took it over in 2019, all enthusiastic, put a load of money into it, got great players, 
got promoted in in 2022 and then suddenly we're like <gasps> it's repeating itself so you know similar to how it was in 1990 95 96 my dad and his team then and his board saw the opportunities in in a restructured rugby league in money coming in and making it into a more exciting sport but they were they didn't like the way that at the time uh the rfl proposing the mergers and these sort of uh clubs that were plonked out in various parts of the country that just didn't have any real sort of basis for it. So they, they, they're fighting on the same basis in some ways that we're fighting now, which is, yes, it needs to change. We're 100% for change. It, you know, the sport needs radical, radical reform, but it's got to be reformed the right way. And we just feel, looking back to 1995 and then the licensing that was brought in the, in the early noughties, we just feel that this this these proposals aren't the right thing to, way to go about it. Some of them are, look, hundred percent. Some of them are, but the the, the in, inequity in it, which, which is fundamentally um, causing us a problem, is where we would say we don't agree with this. We don't we don't want to be the naysayers. You know, uh, that's that's something I really want to get away from. Is oh, Keatsley just saying, oh no, we don't want to change. We want to keep it all the same. We, we're not saying that. We we are a progressive club and we, we see that things need to change and need to improve. At the end of the day, this is a fantastic sport, which isn't capitalising on what it should be doing. Um, so just we're saying... Just devil, devil's advocate on that for a yeah. moment. Um, it raises two questions. One is, should there be minimum standards? And if so, how would that affect Keithley as they currently are and how long it would take you to become a sustainable Super League team if those minimum standards were bought in. And the second point, I suppose, is the proposals now are not the ones from 1995. Um, and if you look back historically at the idea of merger, uh, it was almost like um, the impossible to get through the idea of moving to summer and, and the Super League concept coming in, that the mergers part was almost never going to happen. Whereas this that isn't being proposed to them. This is giving again, playing the devil's advocate, clubs like yourselves, the template to become the best you can be. So in principle, is there anything wrong with that? Uh, no, and, and you see, actually, when Ryan mentioned a lot of the past, you know, that, that it just fe feels like we have been there before. But even if you take that aside, what we are against is the anti-competitiveness of the, the, the whole proposal. You know, you winning the a million pound game, it becomes irrelevant. IMG said themselves, when we asked that uh, question to, to there in the meeting, when we had the council meeting to approve that or, or not, you know, uh, uh, so meaning that if you win that game, it doesn't necessarily mean you will go up. So, so imagine if the loser of that game then goes up. How how that is sport? How that is is fair in a sense? Uh, it be, the game itself became too complicated with these rules. And to your point in saying that there should be minimum standards, we, we do support that. And actually, they are already in place. You know, the RFL, as of now, let's say if the Cougars wins uh, this year's uh, championship, we would not meet the minimum standard to go to Super League because a the, the capacity of our stadium wouldn't fit the wouldn't be the minimum there for Super League. We don't run a, a women's team. We don't run a reserves uh, team. We don't have a, an academy team. So that's when it gets a bit misconstrued. That that you know it, it feels like we are the negative guys saying no, but but. 80% of those proposals, you know, we totally are behind that, that you have to, to have a better product, you have to have a better facilities. You know, I think uh, 
uh, in the past, all this money that Sky has given this club, especially the Super League, you know, where has it all been? Because you go to some of the, the places, you know, it's it's a decrepit uh, uh, stand or, or, you know, the standards were there, but they were not enforced. And for us coming from, okay, yeah, we want to have this minimum standards, but it's just like, why you guys haven't done your homework in enforcing them? Because right now we wouldn't be able to go to Super League. So it's our decision. If you want to push for Super League, okay, let's make our facilities better. So it contradicts themselves when they are saying that they are raising the minimum standards when these are already in place. I think it's more about enforcement, as you say, rather than raising or lowering them. I think with the IMG involvement in the sport and the fact now that uh, Rugby League Commercial as a as a a board is endorsing IMG's proposals, then I think this is now enforceable. You you would be absolutely right to say that the reason the sport made a mess of previous licensing agreements is they, they didn't enforce it. But how long do you reckon it would take you to become a sustainable Super League club? Because, again, playing devil's advocate, should Keithley and the uh, way that the club is structured at the moment, which is clearly improving on an annual basis under yourselves, should that hold back clubs that are more progressive? I think fundamentally, it's got to be about it's it comes back to fairness. So if we go if we go for it, we want to get promoted. We understand we've got to invest in our facilities because I don't think, as Kelly said. If we, if we, let's just, I mean, I don't think we are. I'd, I'd love to think we were, but we're not going to get promoted this season. We shouldn't go up because we don't have the facilities in place. And we'd be the first to hold our hands up and say, right, guys, you know, we haven't got, we've got a wooden stand that seats 800 people. Some of it's rotten. We, we're not ready for Super League. We totally get that. And we, and we support that part of the proposals. We think, you know, going to, a, going to a ground that is crumbling is not Super League. It just is everything against what that is, that Super League is about. But you should be given the opportunity. And if you're not given the opportunity, it is impossible for us to go out and get money into the club to, to actually implement what they want us to do. So if, if, if we go to a sponsor tomorrow and say, right, guys, we need half a million quid. We want to cover our terrace. We want to build a, a great gantry for Sky TV if we get promoted and all the rest of it. They're going to say, but are you gonna, have you got any chance of going up? I'm going to say, well, no, because we haven't got the catchment area. We, we, we've got no way of paying £450,000 for LED boards around the ground. Um, so no, we're not going to go up, but can you do it anyway, just in case they might, at some point in the future, we might be able to afford those LED boards. We might be able to claim that we belong to Skipton and the Yorkshire Dales. It's all very tenuous to say that, I don't, I, you know, I'd like to say, yeah, we're, we're North Yorkshire. We're not North Yorkshire, we're Keithley. You know, we are, a, we are a town. We can have a bit of a bigger catchment area, but we're never going to be competing with the likes of Leeds in terms of catchment. So we're never, never going to get those points. So how can we ever get to the standards we need to be to get to Super League if the opportunity isn't there for us. And and I'm saying that not just for us, I'm saying that for other clubs as well, because you've got to you've got to bring it's a business. You've got to bring investors along with you. And if there is no opportunity, how on earth would anybody what would anybody invest in you? They just wouldn't. And from our point of view, I mean we have to do the investment for the club where we are now because you know it's it's not it doesn't wash its face in terms of income and expenditure. Why would we want to pump more money in to get to the top if they're just going to say, well done, chaps, here you are, here's a little medal around your neck, crack on and you're in championship again. There would be no incentive for us to do that and, and we, wouldn't, we wouldn't do it. And it just takes away that kind of that passion that you need in sport. But fundamentally, and as Kerry rightly pointed out, 
we, we are not saying there should not be minimum standards. There absolutely should be minimum standards. And 100% support that proposal from, from IMG. As you know, Kerry mentioned earlier, there, the standards are already there. They've been there for years. They haven't been enforced. You need to enforce them. Good luck, IMG, to do that. We'll support you 100%. But you've still got to give clubs the opportunity if they have meet those standards in terms of facilities and, and sustainability of the business and the women's team and the rest of it. If you've got that and you win that league, you should go up. And I don't see why, why you should be barred from that. And under the current proposals, clubs like us would be. Can I ask, you said you by and large agree with, say, 80% of the IMG proposal. What would be alternative proposals for Keithley in response to those areas of the, the proposal that you don't agree with? How do you see mm. you, that you need to sort of reform the game, as you've said? One of the things that stood out and we are very, you know, very much against and we have been quite vocal being the, the, the catchment area, you know, location. That shouldn't dictate someone scoring. To be honest, the whole proposal as it is, you know, uh, we said, I said at the meeting, you know, you, you made something very easy, very complicated, because it should be, just like Brian said, you know, it should be easy. You win that million pound game, okay, you hit the criteria, you go up. But but what will become is a closed shop for those 12, but Super League, really, as it, as it is now. So so the catchment area, just addressing the first of the problems that, that we think, you know, that's not fair. That's not a competition that is fair. They have had this obsession with, uh, you know, these expansion areas. The, the, and again, that's what gets misconstrued when, when, you know, when I say, say, when I touch the word expansion, because I had to point out and I said, look, I'm going to upset a few clubs here, London Scholars, London Broncos, Cornwall, Midlands, Hurricanes and Newcastle. I said, if you look at data, and because IMG said the whole presentation was data-driven and they had uh, conducted survey for the last five months, and, you know, uh, it, it doesn't take anyone much longer than to go to, to a, a London Broncos game. And you see that, you know, it's 300, 400 people in attendance, if that. And again, it's not us being against expansion. I, I The suggestion that we would propose is create a competition down south, you know, involve London, because we, we think it's a vanity project because they... Everyone thinks that the solution of the sport, how you increase the sport's attendance and, and, and the, the, you know, the exposure is touching the capital, you know, because you have nine million. That suddenly, if you plunk a team here in London, it, everybody will simply just convert as magic, you know, that they become rugby league addicts. And it, it has been proven for the last 20 years, it does not work. So the solution would be create a competition down south let London organically grows. And, and one of the things that also we pointed out, the sense of community that the sports rugby league is, you know, it's there. It, it's related to, to, to your image as, as the town, as, a, you know, it's the rivalry that you have amongst towns like Keithley and Bradford. So calling themselves London, which again, I, you know, IMGs, these marketing uh, uh, giants that were meant to, to, to know what they are doing. You know, the, the simple fact that they did not see that London doesn't work simply because of the name. You know, there is no identity of London. London is nine million people. We, we ourselves, we live in London. 
we, I don't identify myself as London. We live in Soho, for example. If there was a team called Soho or Central, well, it would have to be more of a neighborhood area. You would then catch the attention. And I would actually go to, to a game because I would be thinking, oh, I'm going to support my Soho team. So that, that, that sense of identity that all these clubs, all these towns, and, and we said, you know, the heartlands of the clubs, that's where actually the sport is, is working, you know. Uh, you should look at that and replicate that. I mean, you only have to look at the most successful sport in this country, which is obviously soccer. And there's a lot of clubs in London, none are called London. You've got your Fulhams, you've got your Tottenham's, you've got your Arsenal's, you've got your Chelsea's, you've got your, you know, all the rest of them. London is about, is an amalgamation of, of conurbations, really, which people identify with. So I have friends who live in Southwark. They, they, Southwark is their place. It's not London. You know, but I used to isn't, it. isn't that a cosmetic issue that clearly when we started playing professional rugby league in the South in 1980, it was Fulham and Fulham, Fulham yeah. were getting 10,000, 12. There is a rugby league market there. So I guess on a broader, broader debate rather than the viability of the current Broncos, and it could well be that they may well become over a short period of time Wimbledon because obviously they've moved into that facility. And that would make it, would make, sense. it would make yeah. sense. The, the two questions that are more generalised, Re- promotion relegation has been part of rugby league for less of the time than you would think, because most of the time we have had a championship either with all the clubs in one division or playoffs. So promotion relegation hasn't always been part of rugby league, therefore it doesn't always have to be. But when we have had it, it's generated a boom and bust culture. So clubs, for example, again, with the greatest respect to what you're doing at Keithley, like Keithley would be promoted for a year, but it wouldn't be sustainable. They would then go down and that's actually more harmful for the club than going up in the first place. So do we need to be this slave to traditional promotion and relegation? Because we never have. And the other question, I guess, that comes from what you were just saying is, the sport actually isn't sustainable in what is its traditional areas, that the ageing... supporter base would tell you that at some point your traditional roots are going to die so you have to plant some new trees somewhere else so should we not say that um, expansion is actually something the sport has to look at to survive I think uh, you look I, I totally agree so in terms of expansion you expand correctly it's not it hasn't been done correctly so we had Simon Johnson here um what last week uh, he came and wanted to chat to us about our objections and, and our counter proposals. And my, the fundamental problem for me with rugby league at the moment is marketing. I don't think it even has a marketing department. I mean, you look at TikTok, which is the most popular sort of young person social media at the moment. The rugby league doesn't even have a TikTok channel. Now that that just that small thing there shows to me the fundamental problem for sport. So my proposal to Simon was. You're giving all this money to the clubs, the the, the Super League clubs. You're giving them what one point five million a year, which is just literally just going down the drain. It's not improving the sport at all. Keep some of that back. Keep it. Build an incredible marketing department within the rugby league, and create regional marketing divisions. So yes, you create a, a regional marketing department for London with a with a with a marketing director who builds that that area. Same with Newcastle, the northeast. You can get a Gateshead team, a Newcastle team, a Durham team. You know, Cornwall. You go down to Cornwall, you can, and you have these regional marketing areas which say, right, we're going to work with you. We're going to tell you what to do. We don't know what you know. Marketing is a is a science, and if you have the right people with the right brains and the funding behind it, you can then start to create something. 
what they're doing is they're just expanding by saying, right, we're going to have a club here, there and, and there. We're going to give them a few quid and, and crack on. And it hasn't worked because they're not doing it properly. But I'm 100% for expansion. I would love to to, to have a, a, a competition here in London where I, I can go and watch London Bronx. Not, we won't say London because, as Kerry said, that's the fundamental problem. But let's say you've got... Remember, um, I guess, to Soho. Yeah. I mean, that would be great. That would be really exciting. I'll say to Karen on the weekend when we haven't got some Googles, let's go and watch that. But I'm not going to go and watch London Broncos against Barrow because there's going to be nobody there. There's no there's no competition. So I'm, I'm saying expansion, 100% we support it. We don't think it's being done properly. This club needs to stop donating money to the Super League clubs, which is what it's doing at the moment. And it needs to hold some back and it needs to put the money into the right places, which is marketing the sport. And it comes back to your second point, which is about... The, the, the grassroots sort of the heartlands that yeah it's, it's it's dying off if you're also marketing in those places as well you're going to get the young, young people to get involved the trouble is it's not marketing you turn up to to a game we went to um wakefield and featherston as a friendly it wasn't a, a a nice environment it wasn't a great place to go to it wasn't somewhere that i can see young people going and say oh yeah this is a really great day out it wasn't and it should be, and it could be, and it just needs to be marketed properly. And that's just getting people who come from a dis- different perspective, which is, you know, in a way like we did. We came in 2019, took over Googles. I've been away from rugby for 20 odd years. I was 15 when I when I when I kind of my dad left and, and walked away from it. And Carrie'd never been to it. And we came, we had fresh ideas. Said so this needs to be an entertaining, fun day out, and people will come. They're going to come. They're going to think, oh wow, there's a bit of a buzz around here. And then they're going to watch the game and think, wow, this is actually a really good game. Football actually is so boring when you, when you think of it. This is so fierce and you know, there's all these points being scored and it's exciting. And they're going to go, well, I'm going to come again next weekend. And that's how you grow this sport. And that is where the Rugby League and IMG are not understanding. They need to focus the money they've got on marketing the sport and not just donating it to Super League clubs, which is what they're doing. Isn't that part even IMG's digital strategy, though, which is about to be rolled out and why we've had this 12-year association with IMG in the first place because we've identified what we're not good at. And again, putting it back to you in, in the probably in the case of being a devil's advocate, doesn't the sport need to be united at this time of all times? And that to have dissent as it's seen within the ranks with alternative proposals isn't going to help IMG roll out their digital strategy or come up with a, a new brand image or come up with minimum standards that clubs have to have on match days? Aren't you thwarting uh, what you're actually purporting is what the sport needs? Uh, I don't think so, because then we pretty much live in a dictatorship. If someone comes along and tells you this is the new plan, and you're saying that, you know, the sport should be united, so all 36 teams should have just raised the, the, the hands and clapped then, I think that then it's what I say, it's a dictatorship. You know, just because IMG comes with a pedigree that, you know, they are marketing experts, you know, because they they done really successfully and, you know, they have, they have the, the credits there. But it doesn't mean that you can simply... Exchange their 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 mark. We we have a business ourselves, you know. When we don't speak empty uh, knowledge on these matters, because a, a lot of our business require marketing experts. So we have had a company for six years now. We are successful. We 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 trading in in different countries. And the fundamentals there that when even you say say isn't that cosmetic? You know, addressing that uh, London Broncos should be called something else. Well, when you partner with a giant like IMG 
And if they are not really seeing these fundamental silly problems, just like you said, you pointed out being a cosmetic problem, that's very easy. But yes, they have not understood and they have not addressed, but they, they are addressing things. Oh, if you have a, a, a big screen in your stadium, you're going to get 0.125 points. If you have uh, LED hoardings around the ground, you get another 0.125 points. It just shows that they don't have a grasp of the sport. And that's why we have to avoid that. That's not being, you know, in detriment to the sport. You're raising your concerns. I think that's a, a, a good thing for anything in society. If you were just stand there and clap them, you know, we might as well just become, I don't know, North Korea. That's a strong statement. But, but fundamentally for me, the USP of this sport at the, at the moment, and it's on its knees. Let's not make any bones about that. The sport is on its knees. The USP is it's a town sport. And you only have to look at the government's policies on levelling and put all the rest of it. There is nothing going on in these towns. If this sport is marketed properly and marketing is funded, you have got you could, you've got clubs in towns that have got nothing else going on. And you've got a whole load of people there who've got not much to do. They've got no cinemas anymore, they've all closed. The bowling alleys have gone. High streets. No one goes to pubs anymore because, you know, can't drink and drive and they can't smoke and all the rest of it. We've all heard these these reasons for, for people sort of not having much to do it living in a living in a town. The their that rugby league club could be central to that community because it can be exciting, it could be visionary, it could be something that people actually have a miserable week and think, actually, this weekend I'm really looking forward to to the game with you know Featherston against Castleford. And if it's marketed properly, they go and have a fantastic day out for 15 quid. That is going to be something positive for that town. And uh, I, I've said it before, for example, if we got to Super League, the first thing we'd do is we'd get a shop in the town centre. There, there are loads of shops in our town centre, like there are in, in town centres all, all across the country. And if we've got people coming in and queuing up to buy tickets and coming to see the players because they're in the shop and all the rest of it, you're going to have other shops that thinking, actually, I want a shop next door to that Cougar shop because they're getting loads of footfall. And before you know it, that, that town centre is suddenly getting a few more traders in it because they've got footfall again. At the moment, there's no reason for footfall. So for me, IMG and the rugby league should say, right, what, what, let's see what, what we've got going for us. What we've got going for us is it's a town sport. It's weak because it's got no investment and people aren't coming through the turnstiles. So what do we need to do? We need to make it exciting. We need to get people coming through the turnstiles. We need to market it. We need to tell these clubs how to make an entertaining day out beyond just what's going on on the pitch. When we get those people through those doors for a reasonable price, I, I think at the moment we went to Halifax yesterday and um, the amount of our fans who were complaining cost them 80 quid for, you know, two of them and, and and a pie. I mean, it's too much. It's too expensive. It needs to be 15 quid like we charge. It should be less. I mean, I, I, I applaud badly for trying. I think it's probably a, a too, too risky to do that. But if you can get the marketing right, get the sponsors in, you get more people interested in coming through turnstiles, you can lower your prices, you get more people in. Suddenly the whole thing's succeeding and then the town succeed. And before you know it, that that little sport of rugby league, which is on its knees, has suddenly become very successful away from the cities. Because cities are tied up with soccer. You know, people in cities who, who watch soccer cannot afford to go and watch another sport. You know, it's very expensive to watch soccer. So focus on the towns, but make it a fun, entertaining day out. And you will then get people through the turnstiles and the sport then resurrects. Again, another example that, you know, so simple to understand, yet uh, IMG haven't touched on that. You know, the whole marketing here that we said. And when Simon Johnson came to see us, we did say, use a, a, 
a silly example. Look at Super Bowl. I think everyone around the globe heard and were talking about the Super Bowl because they have a massive celebrity, you know, doing their final game. The exposure that Rihanna did was all in, in you know, for, for the sports. What, what, what do we have? You know, even the Challenge Cup, that it, it creates the buzz around the, although it's the community within the, the sport, you know, but why not... Uh, uh, we, we said to Simon, I said, why don't you actually hold 100,000 from all Super League teams? So rather than giving 1.5 million, you know, if you held 100,000 of all the 12 teams, you have 1.2 million, get a bloody Lady Gaga, you know, that people will come to the, 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 the grand final of the Super League just in itself to watch Lady Gaga. But what then you do is you are making people interested in the game because they will come, they will find the sport because there is not one per person that would find the sport boring because it's an amazing pro. I am Brazilian myself. I came from, you know, soccer through and through country. You know, when I watched the, uh, uh, our first match at the Cougars, you know, I thought, oh my God, when you see this 80 minutes that, you know, it, it goes from, from your team winning and then it, it might totally change, but you always have something going on, you know, in 90 minutes of uh, football, you, you might score once or most games are, are new, isn't it? So so it's boring. But then what we said as well, having a Lady Gaga there, you're going to fill that stadium, you know, the, the, the attention that then you would generate for the sport. And then your, your Sky deals that, you know, they are reducing every year because they say, look, the sport, you know, is dying. There is not much attention. You know, then the likes of Sky Sports, they would actually be paying more attention and would be more interested in giving you a good deal because they know that every year there would be a massive event where, you know, Lady Gaga comes, Beyonce comes, or whoever that might be, that it, it just uh, this fundamentals, you said yourself, they're a cosmetic thing that they should be working on and they're not. So for me, I said, I said, you guys seem just clueless. And it's not it's not just what Kerry said in terms of filling that stadium. You would fill that stadium because people will be going not just to watch a rugby league challenge cup final, but you'd be going to watch a bit of a pop concert and you would pack it. So that first of all, that looks fantastic on TV. You're going to get the news. But how many people on social media are going to start and sharing that? And suddenly rugby league is shared through millions, if not billions of people around the globe who've never even heard of the sport. You know, that one investment in something like that, as silly as it sounds, could Give so many rewards to the sport, and it's not—it's it, a lot of money. But when you look at the amount of money that's just been wasted on these Super League clubs by just donating the Sky money out, hoard, keep a little bit back for something like that, and it would make such a difference. Doomsday scenario: that Sky, as you say, and you've written in the document, are disinterested. What if they do walk away? What what happens then if there is no millions of pounds to give to clubs to throw away on not very good rugby league players year in year out? Uh, we, we tapped that as well with Simon, right? Because in the 90s, you see, there was before before Super League was created. So they were not addicted to their money. And when we even address the problem, you know, uh, 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 we are two hostages of a TV deal. You know, like you said, if they, they pull out, what would happen? Clubs as a business, as we have our own business, you have to, to be profitable enough, you know, that you are not counting on a check written by TV rights. Even though all sports get TV rights, that shouldn't be the, 
the essential and the fundamental part of you, how you run your business, because like you said, that might go away one day. And, and just doing, again, just an exercise that we said to Simon, you know, if you take an average attendance of a Super League team, they have 6,000 easily to, to, you know, to, to most of the, the, the games. And again, that's a low average because normally they get eight to 10,000. But let, let's go with the, the lowest one, 6,000, multiply that by 25 pounds. You get 150,000 each game throughout the season, 11 games that you play. You make that itself 1.650,000 uh, uh, for, for the 1.6 million, you know, in that season alone, just through your gates. Uh, uh, then you have your sponsorship money. We as a championship club, you know, we just came to championship. We make 200,000 in sponsorship. When you sell that, that the club that is going to be on prime TV, you know, uh, every week in and out, they should be making a million easily on sponsorship because everyone would love to be on TV and the exposure that it gives, uh, you know, you give the national uh, uh, image to to thousands of people that live here in the UK, millions, you know. So so just with these two factors, that sponsorship money and 11 games through the gates, you would get 2.6 million. When you have a salary cap of 1.2 million in the in the Super League, do, do you understand how this is It's sustainable without the money? So actually, when you add this Sky money, the 2.6 million with 1.5 million, Super League clubs are making 4 million, assuming, you know, that that's what they take in sponsorship. How they have not improved with 4 million, it's just crazy. And then you've got all the ancillary income. So you've got your, you know, your merchandise, you've got your bar revenues, you've got your catering revenues, you've got your hospitality revenues. You know, from my point of view, Super League are basically being given money. And because they've been given money, it can make them lazy. If you're lazy, why would you go the extra mile? Like we, you know, we get... We, in, in league when we were getting three grand a month from sky it was it didn't even pay the electric bill so we've never been on a on a life support for, for sky money for us it's been it's nice to get three grand a month but when you see the, the overheads we have to pay out three grand a month is is a pittance really so, and I'm, I'm glad about that because i would hate to be wedded to that sky money because i do believe it's going down and i do believe that broadcasting generally is going down as we get more, more and more of these streaming channels you know the more you've got the less money there is because you know, it's a supply and demand thing. So, Super League fundamentally should be covering it, washing its face. It should be, yeah. it should be making money, as Kerry just said. The maths are there. Yeah. So the, the Sky money isn't essential, or it's, it certainly shouldn't be essential. Let's put it that way. Maybe for some clubs it is. It shouldn't be. If they're getting five, six thousand through their turnstiles and on a one point two million salary cap, it should pay its way. Championship gets very little money from Sky. League One gets a pittance. So the clubs should not be wedded to it. And if they're not wedded to it, it makes them sit down and think, right, we've got to start thinking outside the box here. We've got to be entrepreneurial. How the hell do we increase our revenues? And that's what we've had to do. We've had to sit down and think, how do we increase our revenues? We need to get a better deal with a brewery. We need to get a better deal with our sponsors. We need to go out to our sponsors. We've, we've built a digital package for our sponsors where we've built a digital marketing department within the Cougars that provides digital marketing to our sponsors who don't necessarily have the resources in their own companies to market themselves on on social media so we say we can do that we'll do it for you give us a sponsorship package in return you're not just giving us a check and then coming down to watch the game we're giving you something back we're giving you something tangible back and that the sponsor's like oh that's fantastic we used to just you know club 
club uh, management coming to us and saying, oh, give us some sponsorship and you get two free tickets. We're not doing that because we've, we've got to think beyond that. And that's what clubs who were given money, as I call the Sky Donation, don't need to do that because they've just got a check coming in every month and they can just, you know, waste it away. And that is why after 20 odd years of, of, of Super League, the club is on its knees because they haven't had to think and be entrepreneurial. And that for me, if Sky Money goes down, I think we've got to live with it and say, right, clubs, man up now. And I, I, I still tapping into the, you know, uh, TV deal that, that might come, might not come. We said, actually, it would be more beneficial to the sport if we, we were in all free to air, you know, go to BBC. Say, actually, no, Sky, we don't want you with your, your the current deal that we have because it's not beneficial. Go for 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 a, a thought process that you're going to increase the exposure of the sport. Go to BBC and say, guys, here is the sport for free. You don't need to pay us anything because what would then do in favor of the clubs is... I could go to a sponsor, you know, we could go to our parent sponsors and we are going to sell that, the dream that everybody wants here. Free marketing for you. Every weekend, Kifley Cougars is going to be on TV where your company, so if you sign us a check of 100,000, 200,000, every Sunday, you're going to be on TV. So imagine the exposure if you have a banner there, you know, if the stadium is named certaincompany.com, you know, you are being televised to millions of people. And that's when then the crowd, actually, you are converting a few people that on a Sunday, they might be watching Teddy and they come across our oh, rugby league. They will see that it's such an interesting product and as a sport is entertaining that they might think, oh, actually, I love the, the club that I watch Bradford versus Featherstone. You know, I might go get down to the ground next weekend because it was such a, a buzzing atmosphere it was really incredible so it, you are doing a, a favor really to your crowds because you know meaning you being on tv doesn't necessarily mean that you know people will not go for the turnstiles you are generating so much interest that you actually are captivating the crowd and, and people that have not heard of the sports. And that's what fundamentally, even when Randon says about marketing, you know, do we even have a, a commercial going on, on on national TV? Because I see loads when we are watching Derby, you know, you see loads of things about the, the next uh, premier, uh, uh, premier game that is going to be broadcast. You know, where is rugby league if we live down in, in London? You know, we our friends, when they say, oh, you're going to go to the club this weekend, they never even heard about rugby league down in London. Yet we are pursuing this London dream, you know, and again, do organically, do, do you know, let, let the, the game. And even you said a point earlier, you know, saying, is it the, the, the people they're watching, they're dying, you know, it's it, the, the, the crowds that we have, it's, a, it's an older generation, you know. But isn't it easier to educate and bring up the grandkids and the kids of those people, the crowds? You know, it's so much easier to 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 bring new blood into the sport if you already have the, the footprint there. You know what you even said. You say, oh, shouldn't then we create? Shouldn't doesn't the sport need to to go to you know to go to to new markets? Yes, it does. Obviously, it does. But to, to totally forget and ignore, ignore the heartland that you have already, you know, a whole town behind you. Make it entertaining, like Ryan said. And, and we have done that ourselves. If you come to, to Cougar Park, you know, obviously I'm, I'm selling what we do 
uh, but it's an entertaining day. You come, you have fun. We have uh, singers. We have, uh, you know, uh, uh, a Zora ball during halftime. So it's always fun. And people, we do feel like people are there to watch the game fundamentally, but they stay until 10 p.m. because we have a DJ in the bar. We, we make a party out of it. So everybody looks forward to their Sunday. Well, I think also you only have to look now at, at Lee uh, with, with Derek Beaumont. He's he's doing the right thing. He's getting singers on before the match. He's making it a fun day out. He's doing, you know, he's, he's built a, a fabulous team and spent a lot of money on that, which all credit to him. But he's also, he understands you've got to make that into an entertaining experience beyond the rugby. And, you know, I hope, that, you know, I hope he does succeed because he... You know, I, I don't know. We don't know Derek. We've never actually met him. But I just watched from afar and I think, yeah, you're doing the right things there. And that's the way the sport should go. And it, it can do it itself without IMG coming and saying, right, guys, you know, again, we're going to knock your points off for this, points off for that, points off for that, points off for that. They just need to come and say, right, right, clubs, you've got to start marketing. You've got to get modern. You've got to give an entertaining day out. And they should be coming to us and saying, this is what you should do, rather than saying, we're not going to let you in because you haven't got that. We're not going to let you in because you haven't got that. We're not going to let you in because you're a town. That for me is just wrong, and that is that that is why this club, this sorry, this sport has had multiple second chances, and I'm I'm worried that eventually they're going to run out of second chances. And this is another one of those experiences and attempts to reform it in the wrong way. Derek Bowman wouldn't be able to build the team that he's currently got, though, without the sky money. So it is a double-edged sword. You have to have both. I don't think you can cut off the sky money um, and expect to have a product that we're all talking about that has the best quality athletes who are attracted because you have to pay those wages to get them and to retain them and to possibly bring them over from Australia. So you do, have, you do have to have some degree of external televisual funding. We would not survive without it. I, look, I agree you've got to have the money. And, and for me, the money is about the excitement of the jeopardy. So if you can, if we can go out and sell the dream and sell that we, we want to get promoted to Super League and, we, you know, the, there is an opportunity there to get promoted. And, you know, our, our, our proposal is two up, two down and with a, with number one guaranteed promotion. If, if you've got a decent marketing and commercial department, you can go and get that money because you deserve, to, you deserve it and you're earning it. The trouble with, with with TV money, which is why I call it the, sort of the lifeline, is it's just a donation and it's going down. And it, and clubs need to go out and say, this is a fantastic product in this town. We've got lots of companies here and get people to invest in it. And that's what we've done this year. We're, we're not living on Sky Money. I mean, you know, it would be a lot easier, but we don't need to because it's not there for us. But we're investing more because Cowie and, and his team have gone out and raise the money from from corporate partners. It's what my dad did in the 1990s. He was spending 1.2 million on on. He was spending the equivalent now of the salary cap in 1990. Not even no, sorry, 1995. Not even the Super League. He was doing it in in what was the second division. And the reason they could do that was because they had built something which was commercial and commercially attractive to sponsors. And they went out and they got that money in. There was no Sky money then. There was no broadcasting money. You got twenty five grand if you appeared on on BBC in the Challenge Cup. That was it. Back that there was there was no, there was nothing, and they did it because they were selling a good product. And that's what this sport needs to do. It needs to sell a good product. And if it's reliant on getting Sky money, which is declining, and fundamentally, I believe all sports will end up losing losing central 
broadcasting money because it's becoming so fragmented. You've got Amazon, you've got Apple, you've got Sky, you know, Twitch. You've got it's it's there's so much supply fundamentally that you know it's good. They're going to be spending less money on it, and if this sport is wedded to that lifeline, it will fundamentally fail. It's these clubs have got to be commercial. They've got to op- offer a good. Good, good proposal, a good package, and that means entertaining people. And and when you say you say clubs cannot survive without the the sky money, if again you know I love when people say about data and IMG says that word more than I don't know what you know just look at the data. Was the sport in a better shape in '95 in '94? Were the crowds ten, fifteen thousand, and has the sky money? That has come into place, you know, uh, since '96. Has it helped? Do we have bigger crowds than we had in '95, or is it declining every single year? Uh, the answer is there. You know, it, to having TV money doesn't doesn't improve the sport. You know, it, it's how you spend the money and how you go after money. That's how how you improve the sport. But let's let's get back to basics. So I don't want to feel that there's a, a, dis, a disagreement here on the importance of getting broadcasting revenue. It, it, broadcasting revenue, bring any money coming to the sport is fantastic, right? Absolutely. But I think you, it, the proposals now are all about that broadcast revenue. It's, that's what it's solely focused on. That's what AMG are going to get paid for. You know, their their twelve year agreement is based upon commission on on what they get from from broadcasters. What I'm saying about this sport is it needs to build itself up and then it it, it, it deserves that broadcast money. And and broadcasters will be lining up and saying, we want to, we want to invest in you, we want your rights. I mean, at the moment, um, from what we read, Sky is speaking to the EFL about, about the, the soccer rights. They're not talking to anyone else because nobody else is important. They're desperate for EFL because EFL is, is a great product. If rugby league can make itself a great product without the, without those rights, then people come in and say, "We want to invest in you," and then you build it, and then you're going for it, and then you know you've got a massively successful domestic competition. What we're, what IMG are doing, the RFL are doing, they're doing it the other way around. They're going out and be- basically begging for re- for for broadcast revenues, giving it to clubs and saying, "You know, here's this money. The top the top Super League. You're, you you could have it. You can spend it how you want. You're going to be." be protected to hell with the rest of you and for me that is not building a, a good sustainable sport and build the sport sustainably from the from the roots up make them commercial commercially attractive propositions and the broadcast will follow we're doing it the wrong way around what do we do with league one because this has been a this is a constant question we've asked on this program before the super league sorts itself out the championship as long as there's a path between the two then that's fine but what what is league one? You you have experience of being in League One. What is that competition there for, and how do we build that to be something, or do we just completely scrap it and start all over again? Well, I I think you know if you do all this homework, you know I'm not saying we have all the answers, but surely I think we have more 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 you know knowledge than IMG coming with these city rules giving points for these or you know catchment area here you know if we just uh, work on the problems as they, they currently are you know like what we've discussed here at length you know even league one would be an amazing uh, tournament to have we actually said to Simon Johnson 
why not have a, a, a going up from from conference league you know even that in itself it makes uh, clubs complacent because you had your west wales last season you know they they got one win out of the whole season but if there is not that the jeopardy of you going down why would anyone invest and that's what would we say that the, having no relegation, it does the opposite effect in, in, in a whole league structure. If you know that you're going to be protected, and that's what we are very vocal against, you know, if those that make this category A grading system, the, the system, you know, and, and it becomes uh, 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 immune from relegation, why would Leeds feel that, okay, you know, I, I can spend my salary cap here 1.2 million getting amazing players because I want to win, win, win. Or, you know, I might spend just 200,000, get some players and I'm going to get all this guy money, profit that, you know. Uh, so, so there always have to be the jeopardy of you might be going down because it makes the investment coming. And League One, as it, as it stands, you know, those at the top that come, come a new season, they want to invest because they want to go to championship. But it should be also for those at the bottom, you know, as, as something to, to teach them. If you're not investing, if you're not having a good squad, if you don't have the minimum standards, you know, you will be dropping down to conference. And that doesn't exist at the moment. You know, you have your lock lanes, you have CEDO. These are community amateur in, in a sense uh, of clubs. They deserve so much more to be in a League One, you know, uh, uh, than, than, I'm sorry, a West Wales, uh, uh, a Cornwall, per se, because they came just literally, you know, they are put there in the, 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 the tournament and nothing happens if they stay at the bottom. But it comes back, to, for me, to marketing. I, I feel really, really sorry for, for clubs in League One, the likes of Rochdale and Hunslet and Doncaster. You know, they were investing in their teams. They're getting... You know they're getting no central money really, and you know they're struggling because they're having to go down to Cornwall, they're having to go down to Midlands and all the rest of it. This is where marketing comes in and where the centre should be supporting these clubs. We went to Hunsley last week for the Challenge Cup. Their, their team, fabulous, really good. They've got some great players. They've invested well in their team. It, you know, watching the game was great, but there was nothing beyond that. So this is where the RFL with the suit with the Sky money, which I believe shouldn't be given all to Supley, there should be some back for this marketing department, should go to Hunsley and say, right, guys, we understand you're putting all your money into your team and you, you're doing well on the field, but you're not getting people through your turnstiles because it's not a fun day out. There's nothing beyond the rugby. It's all about you turn up, you pay your money, you sit in the stand, it's freezing cold, you watch the rugby, you go home. I, I would love to go to go, gone to Hunslet and, and, you know, there's performers, there's music, it's lively, there's fun going on, there's food stalls and, you know, it's a bit of a party atmosphere. Then you sit down, you watch rugby, and like, wow, that's a, they're a really hard team. And they are. I mean, it was a great game of rugby to watch. But these clubs in League One don't have the funding to do that. They don't have the know-how to do that. They don't have the support to do that. This is where the, the broadcast money, which we talked about earlier, which I, I think is just getting wasted by giving it to Super League clubs, it should be retained to go and help these clubs in League One to say, let's make you your your match day experience a great experience. Make it more local, like I was saying, with your lock lanes and your siddles and your Thato Heaths. And, you know, there's a bit of local rivalry. Um, don't put expansion to League One because it's never going to work. It's going to, you know, it's just going to alienate fans even more. I mean, how can a, a fan from from Hunsley go all the way to Cornwall? It's going to cost them a fortune. They've got to take days out of work to do it. It's just not going to work create a, a, an incubator league 
in the south southwest with Cornwall playing various teams and all the rest of it, and then maybe two or three might get going and they might come to League One. You've got your rival, then it starts to work. That makes sense. But fundamentally, it's about marketing. League One needs marketing support. It needs it needs basically. I don't know if you watch the, the on Channel Four, like the hotel inspector. You need that the, the hotel inspector to go into these clubs and say, right, guys, you've got a nice building. But we're going to help you make that building to something fabulous, which is going to want to bring people in. And that is the RFL's job. And that's Sky Money job. And it's not being put into the right places. And to have a league of, what, nine or ten teams, it's impossible. I mean, how can those clubs really make money to actually pay for a decent team? I, I don't know how they do it. And I'm you know, I'm so thankful we got out of that league because it was it was a nightmare. Last really year, was. last year when we played Cornwall, so we had to do the, the drive down, right? So you have the bus. We had to book a, a night in hotel for, for Thursday members of the squad. We spent 5000 on that trip. So, so you tell me how other clubs find the money, you know, to go down there. And, you know, even though Cornwall announces amazing cr uh, crowds, you know, attendances of 1,200, in reality, go there with a camera and count people. There is the 400 that you get. You know, it's one thing for you to announce your crowd and one thing of uh, what the crowd you're getting, you know. So, so how all these other clubs make that trip down, what for? And, and one in, in return, then, and that's something that I, I put out there. And I said, I said, look, I'm not, I'm going to make myself a target here, but I just had to address this. And the funny thing is everyone knows, but they just don't talk about it. And, and when we play uh, uh, Cornwall, in return, you know, like we are very much dependent on gate money. You know, that's what most of the income for a club is. These faraway clubs, they bring nobody. So when you play likes of Corn or, or London Scholars or London Broncos and uh, West Wales, you count on zero money added apart from your loyal supports that are there every weekend. You know, so isn't it more interesting to, to, to expand where there is rivalry? You know, we should have a club in Harrogate. You know, it's just there around the M62. So that will be the, the common rivalry Harrogate against, you know, the next town that is York. close. You know, York, uh, uh, Blackpool. So, so these are the fundamentals that we wish IMG had come on board and said, guys, here, this is the problem within the sport. So let's address these things. And then in a couple of years, when, when then we start having a better product, you know, more crowds. So, so we raise the standards of uh, 6,000 uh, from championship, maybe. Then we, we are building, you know, you're getting 7,000, 8,000, 10,000. And that's when all TV channels would beg to have you. Then you are holding them hostage because, you know, there will be more than one, two people in, in the negotiation table. And then you're going to set the, the price that you want, not the other way around. When there is just a sky, if there is only sky, because, you know, every year they have been cussing. You went from 30 million to 24. This is the last deal. Uh, this is the last year in the deal. Are they going to reduce even further? Shouldn't we make the game exciting and, you know, have the exposure and then they would actually be begging to us, not the other way around. Just going back to Jeopardy for a moment, um, the two arguably most successful professional leagues are the NFL and the NRL. Neither of those have promotion and relegation. Is it essential? Is that because you're comparing Australia as the main sport of being rugby? That that's 
that's a comparison that is wrong, really, in the sense of uh, it's, you know, us comparing the products that you have here in, in England to, uh, you know, NRL. So what they are doing there is going to work here. It's, it's wrong. You, you can't compare one for the other. You know, here, the main sport of this country is football. If I go to Brazil and then I just, uh, you know, with my, my want, you know, with a magical trick, saying, okay, let's create an NRL uh, competition where we're going to have 12 teams and there is no promotion and relegation because it works in Australia, guys. So it's going to work in Brazil. Everybody will keep watching football because what is against us here is different than what is against for for all the clubs in in australia so yeah it does it, it does help them there you know they have other leagues that there is no going up going down but you can come they are not like for like so so no when you are competing with the giants of football in this country you know you have to have that jeopardy because even look at football in this country, you know, you, they are not protected. So you go up and down. And, and you know, if you look at, uh, we watched it recently, uh, a TV show, Welcome to Wrexham. I don't know if you guys have watched it. Uh, up in Wales, bought by, you know, celebrity Ryan Reynolds. You know, the, the, the excitement of a town that now, because they pump the money, you know, that they are winning and that there is the exciting, exciting yeah, in going fans. up. Yeah. You know, the crowds have gone up, their sponsorships have gone up, you know, not not seeing, uh, not not just because it's a Ryan Reynolds, but because they 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 want to, to get to the next level, to get to the next level. How many times you see in football competitions actually that uh, 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 this this uh, uh, champion uh, these tournaments that are aside from the, their league games, you know, that you have a giant club go to a small town, they lose. The next thing that happens is this town is buzzing. Everybody actually that haven't even followed football because they have a beat, you know, a Chelsea Chelsea team. You know, it, it just drives the force. But I think also you've got to think of the NRL, for example. Number one, IMG would destroy the NRL because to say too many clubs in Sydney. I mean, the NRL is basically Sydney focused. So fundamentally that kills IMG's argument. The second thing about the NRL is... There are 20 million odd people in in Australia. You know, it's, it's a small country, so there is less room for that expansion. You look then at the NFL in, in America, and per, I've been to an NFL game, I found it absolutely dull as dishwater. Um, no American sport, really, has left America. And we do business in in the United States, and it's, it's a very different place to... It, we all think it's quite similar to us. It's not. Doing business there is very different. The attitude is very different. That's why their sports haven't really expanded beyond their shores. So I'd say the NRL is proof that clubs in a heartland work because that's what's made that a national sport with it be basically being in, being Sydney Sydney focused. Um, and the and and the American sport model is all about money and it's all about advertising and it's not actually very interesting. And I just don't think that that converts into the UK. I think you've got to look at the likes of Burnley who, who got promoted to the to the Premier League in soccer. Under these proposals, they, they'd be down in League Three and they were packing turf more out. And that's fabulous. I think that's fabulous. I think it's great for that community. And I think fund rugby league has got to fundamentally think in these proposals, is it all about money or is it about the sport and entertaining people and, and giving people a great day out? And I think from our point of view, and people can disagree and it might be all about money and all the rest of it, but I personally believe more in people than about money. 
And I think if we can create a sport that gives people a really good day out in places where there's not much else going on, I think that's something to build on. And I think that then in, in turn will make this a very successful sport. And then the money will support it, but the money won't dominate it. And I think if you're looking for money to dominate it, the NFL is a perfect example. And I would personally, I would hate for rugby league to, to become that in this country. If it does, that's fine. It's not for me. And, you know, I'll walk away and say good luck. But I, I, I would like that. And I think a lot of, a lot of sports fans generally wouldn't like that. Can I just ask a final question? Um, what next? So you met with Simon Johnson. He obviously listened to some of these arguments that you presented to us today. Firstly, how well was that received, or otherwise, do you think that will be, you will be listened to? And and in terms of what's next, there's going to be a vote presumably at uh, an upcoming board. When is that, uh, and how how do you expect that to to go? Uh... Simon really came, you know, with uh, with an open minded, uh, open mind because he wanted to know why we. Because he said, you know, you are one of the most progressive clubs, so it's really a shame that you 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 don't see things as as we do. And we explained just as we have explained laid out, you know, our our take on the IMG proposals. And he actually took a notepad and he was making notes because it. it Again, the, the, the cosmetic, the so simple tasks there that, that are wrong with the sport, you know, it's not being addressed. So I actually saw him taking notes, you know, and he, he's like, okay, the London name, you know, as silly as that sounds when, when you think in a bigger scheme of things, you know, oh, you're talking about rename. Yeah, easy task, Wimbledon. Yeah, but, but these are not the main uh, uh, objectives there of this proposal. They are literally trying to... to reshape redo a whole sport that it, it should be so good and so so big so so he said he will take those concerns you know with img uh, uh we even asked said oh do you have a, a, a power there or have you sold the sports to to img are they in control now or is drfl uh but they said it's a partnership you know so so he said that he, he was putting those those points across there in the meeting, you know, we printed our dossier. I think you guys have had access, you know, that we gave to clubs. And and uh, as you mentioned earlier, you know, shouldn't the sport be be all in together? Actually, loads of people in the room came to talk to us. They, the uh, 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 he came to to shake hands with me and said, "Very well done." You know, you you said things that that nobody has had the balls to say. And so so you might think that is a. Uh, uh, all in agreement, but no, because people, when fundamentally you you go to a, a tournament and you and, and the baffling ask the question, so hold on, if I win the one million pound game, I I will not go up uh, uh, because maybe the loser of the game or maybe not even the loser, but the third or fourth, they score more points than me. The winner of the one million pound game, uh, is that correct? And the IMG guy said, Yes, that's correct. It doesn't mean uh, uh, anything now because you will be considered points. And, and you tell me that will not destroy the sport. You know, tell that to your fans. Imagine you win that, that game, but the fifth guy on the table is actually going to... to... I mean, that, that, that was basically our fundamental conversation with Simon, which was we agree with minimum standards. We, we tentatively agree with grade A. I get that. You know, you've got your Warrington, so you've got 10,000 people uh, the other day, which is fantastic. You've got your grade Bs, which aren't quite there, but, sh you know, should have a chance. I then, that's where we disagree in terms of then subgrading. So like Kerry said, you can have 
someone wins a million pound game as a B4 and the loser is a B3, the B3 is going to go up. They've lost a game. They're only one point off on the grading, but they're going to go up. That, for me, is not fair. And that was a fundamental point we made to Simon. And to, 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 to his credit and to the RFL's credit, this is a very different RFL to what was there in 1995 when my dad was there. Back then, it was very much closed doors. We don't want to talk to you. You're irrelevant. Go away. The RFL now are, we think this is a good proposal. We want to talk to you. We want to understand why you don't like it. We want to try and convince you. But, we, you know, let's all work together. And I, I fully respect Simon and the RFL for that. I worry about IMG. They're a big organization. I, you know, I've actually worked with IMG, funnily enough, in our business. We once got the, a license off them from Wimbledon for some products we made. So I know I've, I've seen the internals of IMG. When they make their mind up, it's made up. And, like, it's their way or the highway. That concerns me. I'm hopeful that the partnership they have with the RFL and the RFL being reasonable people and, and the way Simon came and spent four hours with us here was showed he was very reasonable um, means these plans can be watered down and we can actually all come together. And I think that was one of the points you made at the beginning, which is, you know, it's it's sad that, you know, you're dissenting on, on this and, you know, it's not going to help the sport. I want us all to come together. I want us all to say, actually, this is a really, really good idea. And a lot of it we agree with. But if we can just all put our, our brain power into this pot and we all say, right, let's mix it up and see what's going to happen. And then we all come out and say, this is a solution. Let's go together. That will be fantastic for this sport. We'll build it from the ground up. We'll get the, the broadcast will come in, the money will come in, the fans will come in. And we can sit here in five, 10 years' time and say, finally, finally, this sport has made the right decisions. And that's all we're trying to do, really, fundamentally. Yeah. And just back to James, you know, that there is a vote in April. And that would then be the definite, you know, if they, they have more than 50% voting for these measures to take place, then they, they, they win the contract. But if not, then there will be a, a rethink of, of, of the whole thing. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think we need the, a giant marketing company to come and tell us what is obvious. You know, we have done that for free, you know. If you talk to anyone, the, the, the problems there are so easily fixed, you know, just... No, but in some ways, I, you know, I agree with Kerry there, but I also disagree in some ways, which is it's all about marketing. And if IMG are that marketing partner, fabulous. But don't let IMG be that partner that takes over this sport and, and implements everything from the top down. If they're going to come in and help us market it, fantastic. If they're going to come in and say, we are now the Supreme Leagues and you're going to do this, that and the other, and we're based in, I don't know, New York or California, and we've got a subdivision in London, and we've decided this is how this sport's going to work. I don't agree with that. And I, but I think they can bring they can bring value. But I think if we literally just give all control to them, I think that's the wrong way to go. And I'm worried that's where we are. We've taken uh, what, a quarter of the time Simon Johnson had. <laughs> so I feel very... Uh... Very honoured that you've taken the time to speak to us. Um, good luck with the future. I, I don't know what to say because I don't know what's going to happen next. And it's Who the... knows? None of us do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're exactly right. Marketing is everything and we don't do it properly. So yeah. on that point, we can agree. And we'll, we'll see what happens next. And uh, I'd say best of luck for the, for the rest of the season. But obviously... Well, results may not matter so uh, in the future, so uh, I don't know what to no, we, we never We never want to lose. We're, we're losing too much at the moment. We need to we need to turn that ship round. So we'll see what happens. But thanks, guys, for having thanks us for, on. Yeah, thanks for the invites.